My name is Velma Vouloir, and you are listening to Controversy. Welcome to this week's episode of Controversy. We've got a fabulous episode for you today. We have a special guest, a very, very special guest. So I'm going to keep my intro nice and brief today. Thank you everyone for all the love for last week's Venus in Furs episode. I'm so glad you love it. I've received such great feedback from you all. It's such an important part of literary history. So I'm glad I was able to share that with you. And if you're being naughty and you're listening to today's episode without catching up on the others first, you're in big, big trouble. Go back, go catch up, do your homework, and then you can come back to me. Yeah, I see you, you sneaky little skipper forwarders. I know your tricks. So um, so my only other piece of news for this week is that our launch giveaway is live. Finally, I announced it on Facebook and Instagram a couple days ago. We have a $450 prize pack to give away to one lucky winner and that prize includes the first ever controversy merch pack which includes you get a t-shirt a mug a signed print by me some stickers and an adorable enamel lapel pin you get as well a $50 gift voucher from Maison Burlesque we love Maison Burlesque it's my home away from home and you can use that voucher for anything there including all the gorgeous things from their online store we have two tickets to any house show at Bar Pigalle in Richmond, Melbourne, which is where you can often find me sashaying around in my sparkly undergarments. And that is valued at $80. You also get a one-on-one mentoring session with me, which can be done online if you like. And we can do whatever you like, really. We can talk about the podcast, we can chat history, or if you're a creative, we can workshop any creative projects you'd like to get some advice on. And then as well, this prize is still going. You get a little selection of a couple of my favorite smutty history books, which I've ordered just for this giveaway. So when they get to you, they'll be all gorgeous and have that delicious new book smell, which is one of my favorite things ever. So that's first prize. And then I'm also giving away three sets of runner-up prizes, which is a signed print and a little lapel pin. So all you have to do to enter is make sure you're following both Controversy and myself on Instagram. So to follow us on Instagram, I mean, you should have done it already, but the handles are Controversy, C-N-T-R-O-V-E-R-S-Y, and then me, Velma Vouloir, which is V-E-L-M-A-V-O-U. L-O-I-R. And then all you have to do once you followed us is just rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That's it. That's all you got to do. And if you don't have Apple, if you're not an Apple listener, then you can just do the rate and the review on our Facebook page instead. And that's how you enter. It's so easy. You can check out the post I've put up for all the details and info for entering on Facebook and Instagram. That's already up there now. I'll be announcing the winners next Saturday, April 24th. So get on it, show your love for the show, and you can win a whole bunch of amazing prizes. And who doesn't love that. So let's get into this week's episode with our very, very special guest. This woman is an absolutely incredible artist and creator. She is a renowned fetish model and burlesque dancer here in Australia. She has a huge following on Instagram. She's constantly shadow banned on there and they keep threatening to delete her account. That's that's how great it is. That's how great she is. Um, that's the yardstick, right? That's what we go by here. It's like, are the censorship police coming after you for being gorgeous and unapologetic? If they're not... I don't know, try harder. (laughs) And we laugh because it's also a nightmare for so many artists and sex workers out there. I'm just pointing out that I acknowledge that struggle and we do need to fix it somehow. And that's an issue we will be covering soon enough on the show, which I'm excited to get into. But for today, we are talking about something you might say is a little left of center. Or is it? We'll soon find out. It's something I definitely learned a lot about during this recording. So I hope you do too. 
Let's do it. Let's welcome the stunning, the gorgeous, the sexy as fuck, my beautiful friend, my love, the gorgeous lizard queen herself, Ivana Deloon. Do you want to do a thing? Yeah, I'll do a thing. Hello, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. So excited to have you on Controversy. I'm excited to be here. It's actually really nice to see you in the flesh as well. I know, we're face to face right now. Which is just such a blessing. I I take my blessings very seriously. I love my job so much right now. What's been going on? What's news? Tell us about yourself. Oh. Do I really have to do that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, hi, my name is Ivana. <laughs> I enjoy small walks on the beach, not mm. long ones. Uh, they definitely do tire me out and I'm not big on walking if I'm being completely honest. I that. I'm a burlesque dancer, uh, probably more on the side. I like calling myself a fetish model more than anything. Yeah, just because it's fun um but i do reg i do regular modeling as well i am a successful owner of an only fans i am a dance teacher now yeah you are yeah i teach i teach burlesque i do the burlesque occasionally she's a burlesker uh yeah yeah <laughs> let's talk about your fetish modeling just a little bit yeah i mean i know what you're speaking about today and i feel like it ties in a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Talk a little bit about, I guess, your kind of introduction into fetish. My introduction to fetish. I think in modeling, starting out as a model, I had role models. People like Dita Von Teese was probably the first person I ever saw and thought, oh, she's cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's She's got an aesthetic that I really like and I can really get behind and then sort of deep diving into the things that she actually did rather than what we saw her for absolutely and people knew her as a a beautiful burlesque dancer and they figured that that was sort of all she did and she was extremely classy and clearly they have not researched her at all or found her deepest darkest pornos i have (laughs) (laughs) me too me too and um i think it was like interesting finding out that she did all of these dirty nasty taboo things but people still saw her as this classy beautiful elegant individual that so many people looked up to and even people like betty page looking at her and being like she's the cornerstone of what people look at when they think about vintage yeah and she's a fetish model she's a she's a horny little gal yeah that one and i think it was finding out that all of my idols had these other lives that people didn't necessarily focus on and they were highly successful because they were extremely talented but they could also do and get away with all of this stuff and I just wanted to do the same thing yeah (laughs) and I think it was sort of like finding those people finding the aesthetics that I liked and then finding out that oh holy crap no it's so much bigger than just oh I like this photo it's like I like when this photo happens to me amazing (laughs) yeah that's great and I think what you're saying about using Dita and Betty is such a great example because, you know, Dita Von is she's a mad kink fetish model yeah. in the 90s and softcore porn star. She's mm-hmm. done amazing, amazing work. She's still very outspoken about it. She doesn't deny No, absolutely things. not. She doesn't hide any of those things. If you ask her to this day about that, she will gladly speak and she's proud of everything that she's done and yet society... <laughs> doesn't talk about it yeah it's like oh no you do, you don't do those things let's just talk about the glamorous you know yep. sparkly garter belts and swishing around in giant martini glasses which is gorgeous and we love but yes there is this whole other side absolutely it reminds me of her burlesque book which is one side is that pretty like, um, spark that's it and the other side is the side that lives upright on my coffee table <laughs> You know, I actually, uh, I found that book yesterday. I was going through my dad's garage Mm. and there it was in the bottom of a box. I was like, 
Fuck yeah, I miss this book. Yeah, and we're talking about it today. It is, and it is a good book as well. If anyone wants a resource to sort of see the glamorous side of kink and the Mm. glamorous side of burlesque as well, obviously there is that half of the book that I didn't find as interesting. But but yeah, just a good example and a good role model to have. It's called um, The Art of the Tease and The Art of Fetish, isn't it? Um, Let me Google it real quick. Okay, we're Googling everyone. Uh, the art of the tease and the other side I think is just fetish yeah 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 it's like a flip one you go and then yeah you, you go, flip you go the to book. the upside down yes and I, <laughs> I I live in the upside down that book when I got that book that very much changed my art form yeah as it was finding that book and finding like the other side of Dita Von Teese and exploring that to its extent and then exploring beyond that to the point now where I am now featuring in fetish magazines in in Melbourne and across the world and it's just exciting like living the dream that I wanted and I'm doing it the way that my original idol is doing it as well or did it so that's sort of where I come from I come from yeah a, a big inspiration being Dita when I was younger and then Knowing that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily agree with my lifestyle. I don't necessarily get always the best response from people, especially within the family, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, But knowing that these people showed me my idol and just had no idea what she actually did. Mm -hmm. And then being like, well, I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) You told me who I should look up to. And now you're mad. Yeah. For anyone who's sort of listening who maybe has no idea about kink or fetish modeling mm. you know from an outsider you know you talk about sometimes people not giving you the best responses just describe fetish just for yourself as an outsider looking in yeah you know, if there's something that you kind of want to tell people yeah fetish basically is the love or attraction towards an inanimate object so that's fetish and then there's also kink which is more of the the play side or the action and the interaction so you can have a kink for something but a fetish for something else so fetish for me is very much the aesthetic it is sort of the visualization for me being able to see and then take it further yeah, that's a really hard question. <laughs> no, I know. I know that is really brutal. I feel like I have had conversations in the past with people who are just like, I don't get it. I don't get I don't get kink. Mm. You know, I don't understand. I don't understand why yeah. people would be into that or why yeah. they would want to do it. And okay. I suppose from your experience, how is kink or fetish a positive thing in your life? Fetish for me is still something that's very aesthetic. You can incorporate it into your daily life and it's something that I really like being able to do throughout my daily life is whether it's restraining myself in a pair of stilettos or finding a pair of stockings that I really like, something that makes me feel really good, suspender belts, even lingerie is another fetish of mine, falling into the latex thing was pretty hardcore um what like what's the latex <laughs> thing? the latex thing <laughs> oh dear knowing how to use and why latex is used is a really a really cool thing that can really change your bedroom life um for you is it is it sensory is it about restraint is it about feel is it <laughs> um for me i'm a very sensory person i like things that I can feel. I often find that when it comes to things in the sexual aspect, I can get really caught up in my head. I can get, I mean, as a quadruple, triple Aquarius, um, (laughs) I think a lot. So yeah. So having a moment to not think and just do or having something to focus on can really help get in the mood or just really change my mindset and my aspect. I do like a restraint who doesn't that's always good but for me it is sensory and that does sort of tie into what I'm going to talk about today because it's the most sensory aspect of my body that I could probably list really yeah you might be surprised as to what the uh what the answer to that question is you guys oh what's the most sensitive part of my body do you want to uh do you want to tell people what it is and and lead us into what we're talking about today if if you if you would like me to yeah let's do it you want me to talk about my most sensitive part of my body please tell me it is my feet <laughs> 
Bet you weren't expecting that one, were you guys? People that know me well probably. Yeah, probably. I, I, I expected that. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact, uh, when Velma asked me to come on this show, I was beyond thrilled and it's such a privilege to be here. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was feet. So <laughs> I expected nothing less from you. Good, good, because yeah. it's what you're getting. We're, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting some information on feet. Did you want me to start? Please. Okay. My relationship with feet has been a rocky one from day one. I didn't necessarily understand them for quite some time. I thought they were weird. I had friends that thought they were really weird. So it was like, ew, feet, that's so gross. And look, those people are not alone. (laughs) I think feet are strange. Yeah. You know, I love feet, but... Do you understand why people are saying ill feet? Well, this podcast is designed for the people who say ill feet and the people who say yay feet. Yay feet. So we're all here together. So I went on a journey about three years ago to discover more about feet because I didn't understand them. Owning a pair, I thought I should probably give this the benefit of the doubt and do a little bit of research. You know, it wasn't something that was uncommon for someone to say, no, I like feet. When you become an adult and you have access to the internet, all of a sudden you have 50,000 people in your DMs asking for pictures of your feet and you're like, why is this happening? Yeah, actually, I can attest to that one as well. (laughs) It's always about feet. It's always about feet. And I'm going to take you on a little deep dive and let you know why it's about feet. Talk to me. So, names for foot fetishes are things like foot partialism, which is the obsession of a body part, or podophilia, Foot fetishism is a type of foot worship, basically. So in the book, Sex, Crimes and Paraphilia, it is the most sexualized fetish for a non-sexual object and is more prevalent in men than women. Men are genetically more attracted to feet. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. So hence, it's always the guy in your DMs <laughs> messaging you about your feet. It's not that your women aren't wanting that as well. It's just that there's less likely to be a woman who is going to ask for that. But I guarantee you, lots of girls like feet too. Yeah. So foot fetishism can include, but is not limited to licking, sucking, trampling, an obsession with feet. Loving shoes, the look and feel of feet, the various smells of feet, and even socks. If you think about, for that last one, the taboo behind it, feet are often hidden by shoes or socks. Mm. So so taking that off can be an erotic thing as sure, well. yeah. Oh, take off that sock for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in burlesque as well, you know, you're thinking of the, how eroticized taking off a pair of socks. Um, yeah, when you're thinking about burlesque, thinking about a stocking peel and sort of the how eroticized peeling away your stockings is. Very erotic. Mm. Going back to history, although there's no way to track back the earliest case of foot fetishism, let's take a look at one piece of history that dates all the way back to 906 AD. Can you guess what it is? Um... No. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was um, I was thinking of like Mary Magdalene washing the feet of Jesus. That Jesus is a great. Christ, but that that's was probably a little bit, a little bit late. Hey. Yeah, a little, just a, a little, little bit, bit earlier. Just a little bit. But that's a really great example as well. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. It is. Oh, a, did it's I get a, that the wrong way around? No, because because she did. She was the one who said she would wash his feet. Yeah, I paid attention. (laughs) No, you did. You did. But um, for Jesus to go around and wash everybody else's feet, that was a sign of worship on his behalf. Mm. And it is a sign of worship because you think about your feet and you think about them touching the dirt or you're carrying the load of your body all day with your feet for someone to wash them. It's it's a beautiful act. Little side story. I was a part of a a sacred women's temple where we actually sort of opened the the event in a big circle and we each took turns like the person to your right washed 
the feet of the person to their left and then so on. We sort of like went wow. around. As soon as my foot was in this bath of beautiful floral water and there was this woman, you know, softly caressing and cleaning my feet, I think my eyes rolled so far into the back of my head. I was just <laughs> I was just like, this is incredible. Right. I never want this to end. Mood. Yeah. Big mood. Well, there you go. Yeah. So it, it is like a, it, that's a very spiritual experience that you had with your feet. And I love that for you. <laughs> I'm very good. jealous sitting here right now being like, why aren't you massaging my feet? This is ridiculous. Because we have a podcast to record. We can do that later. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm holding you to that. Okay. <laughs> um, and on that note, let's talk about the foot binding of wealthy feet in China. Yes. Now, this happened over 10 centuries. It may or may not still be happening in secret. Right. There's no way to tell. Because um, it is banned. It is banned. Now. Thank God. Yes. Do you know exactly when it when it was banned? Uh, 1912. Oh, no way. Mm. Because I remember I remember talking about foot binding in primary school. Yeah. Sort of as though it was banned, but people were well, still kind of doing it. Well, it was only banned in um, 1912, but some people still did it in secret. And even then people from 1912 still exist if you know what i mean sure so yes. there's still lots of i'm not sure whether there still is but there were older women when we were kids for yes. sure that still had their feet bound and so it was still a thing yeah and that was still a big controversy huh but um to give the listeners a little bit more insight foot binding was the chinese custom of applying tight wrappings to the feet of young girls to modify their shape and size this practice would be done to girls around four to eight years old so basically the bones of a younger woman are soft and they could break more easily therefore it was easier for them to manipulate them into smaller and smaller shapes which is crazy it's insane yeah yeah doesn't it doesn't sit well. No, it no, uh, doesn't sit well with me either. But you know, let, to carry on and to get more into why this was such a big thing. Do you want to also just quickly for anyone who maybe has no mm. idea about foot binding, mm. just kind of describe it quickly. Sure. So basically, what the shape of the foot would be is your big toe would be pointing out so that was your little pointer toe and what they would do is they would bend over the rest of your toes and fold them underneath the foot and wrap them tightly with silk bindings so the foot would basically just be crushed into this tiny tiny little shape and the shape of the foot was eroticized back in the day so if you had a three inch foot it was called the golden lotus so that was the most ideal shape that you had and the most ideal size if you had the smallest foot you would be basically the most sought after woman it was a sign of prestige and basically the more deformed the woman's foot the better which is awful it's just an awful thing people were obsessed with these tiny tiny feet and you couldn't you couldn't walk no 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 you are forcing women to live a life of what just sitting down pretty much so to speak on that a woman was not able to rise within social class or rank without marriage and therefore without bound feet she was pretty much worthless in the eyes of men wow so classic So genuinely, if you didn't bind your feet, no one would marry you. So women relied on having small, excruciating bound feet in order to find a suitable partner to rise up within the ranks of society. So a woman with bound feet could not work or fend for herself. So in a way, she was a devoted wife who could never leave. But she was also a captive wife. Yeah, oh my god, Who could physically not leave because she couldn't walk down the street even if she wanted to. Wow. Yes. I'll take you back to why this happened. Yeah, so we, we think about it and we're like, this is really messed up. It's and, it, and there's really no reason as to why this should have happened. And especially over the period of time that it did, this happened for over 10 centuries. Wow. And at it, no point was anyone kind of like, hey guys, um... <laughs> What the fuck? Well, then, like, there might have been, but if you were like, what the fuck, then you just didn't get married and you probably lived on the streets and just had to, with the shame of everyone. And it wasn't like you had a choice. Your parents did. Your, your, 
<laughs> your parents did this to you when you were four. Yeah. So sure. it was longer than you knew. And yeah, cultural custom, of course, you know, it's yeah. it's deeper than just <laughs> what the fuck. Yeah, it, well, it is what the fuck now. Thank God for that. Yeah. Thanks, feminism. A thousand years later. <laughs> A thousand. Literally. Yep. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Before we start crying into our microphone. Practice originated among upper class court dancers during the five dynasties and ten kingdoms period during 10th century China. Then gradually became popular among the elite during the Song dynasty. So foot binding eventually spread to most social classes by the 14th century and the practice finally came to an end during the early 20th century, as we spoke about before. Bound feet at one time were considered a status symbol as well as the standard of beauty. Yet foot binding was a painful practice and significantly limited the mobility of women resulting in lifelong disabilities. So what happened was... I'm just gonna um, have a little drinky top up. I'll just wash away the sins of my tequila shots last night. Oh dear. Uh, You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, foot binding became popular during the Song Dynasty, but originated from the emperor just before him, Li Yu. So Li Yu created a six foot tall golden lotus decorated with precious stones and pearls and asked his concubine, Yao Nyang, to bind her feet in the white silks into the shape of a crescent moon and perform a ballet-like dance on the points of her feet on the lotus. Now, we're all sitting here being like, oh, that sounds beautiful. Oh, so cute. Lee. <laughs> Lee Yu, what a great call. Like, we love a bit of a point dance. But unfortunately, for 10 centuries to come, this really, really must have been a really good dance because Yao Yang's dance was said to be so graceful that others wanted to imitate her. But it was not just the dance that caught the palace's attention. It was also her tiny feet. The binding of the feet was then replicated by the upper class women and the practice spread. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, why did it have to be the feet? Why couldn't it be how she had her hair that night? (laughs) Well, you know what? Just like that, it's the small feet, obviously. In Imperial China, that was what they really liked. And it's similar to the way that Victorian men idolize the unnaturally thin waist. Yes. You know, I was just thinking about corsetry and tight lacing, actually. Men like a woman who can't do much. Can't breathe. Nope. Can't eat. Can't stand. Nope. Well, but, yeah, just. But she looks gorgeous. Doesn't she look good? Oh, those tiny feet. So these small feet were not just visually stimulating, but a sign of refinement and sophistication. Mm. So women with bound feet were usually unable to walk normally. Instead, balancing on bound feet required careful short steps. So women who had undergone the procedure often couldn't walk as effectively in the fields. A distinction grew between women with bound feet who families could usually afford to keep out of the field and then with women who were usually agricultural workers like most of the Chinese society. So bound feet then became a symbol of status and is often with the case with status symbols attractive. Mm -hmm. It's much like how within Asian societies today being extremely white is sought after because it means that you're out of the fields yet again. I had a lot of experience with growing up from my parents being pushed into the way that I should be white coming from an Asian background because that's what my people find attractive but back to the feet um bound feet offered an air of mystery because the feet were tightly bound the only time that anyone would see a woman's feet was in the bedroom Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Taboo. So in the same way that seeing a Victorian's woman's ankles was considered scandalous and even erotic, men in China fantasized about seeing a woman's bare feet. Bare feet were never depicted in art, even when the subject was painted nude. In many ways, the feet were considered the most intimate part of the body. The allure of the feet was in fact that men never really saw them. The mystery made the feet an object of taboo and desire. Mm -hmm. Get me a man who treasures feet as much as a man does in ancient Chinese culture. It's like anything though, you know, you you take it away, you know, you cover it up and it's the first thing people want. Yeah, give me the bound foot. Give it to me. You wrap up all those presents and put them under the Christmas tree. 
you want to unwrap the present. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So let me explain the shape and why it was so erotic. Please. So in ancient China, there was so much, so much erotic literature around these feet. So we've got the big toe that sticks out. Mm-hmm. And we've got the other feet that are not the other feet, but the other toes that fold over and create this sort of like a crevice like shape. Can you think of anything that's a crevice like shape? (laughs) No. So you've got in the erotic text, they paint the feet as like a phallic like instrument. And your foot is a phallic instrument. Yeah. So you've got your. It has been contorted into a phallic instrument. That's it. So we've got the big toe that might be used to penetrate an orifice. Sure. Perhaps. So that sticks out. And then we've got the small crevice, which is created in this very obscene fashion. So you've got literally all you could want. Yeah. Okay. In a foot. Ivana is holding up this kind of really (laughs) grotesque thumbs up at me right now. Do you want it yet? <laughs> Do you want it? But they were so erotic that even in the, I think it's the King Dynasty, sex manual lists 48 different ways to incorporate these feet during sex. Wow. I was I was literally just about to ask, you know, was, was this shape of the foot, was it purely symbolic or was it actually used for sex? You oh, just baby. Yeah, you've just answered my question. Oh, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a reason that obviously people want these feet. I mean, I don't know that the women necessarily want these feet, but it's not often about what a woman wants. (laughs) Cries in feminism. Um, But to take it even further, let's take it to the foul smell caused by fungal infections. Oh, God. I can't. No. So the fungal infections that you create in this like fold, this fold crevice that we've got of our foot can even create a smell that was appealing to some men. Some men want to have your nasty feet. Like a fine, fine cheese. A fine aged triple cream brie. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't even want to talk about it more now. <laughs> But just to get it into your head, like yeah, there are so many, so many ways that people enjoy feet. And that's today as well. Like men like it all and not just men, people like it all. There's, there's a lid for every part. Oh, I, so my, my first, I guess, foray into foot fetishism. Mm. Is that how you say it? Fetishism? Yeah. 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 I uh, was a pole dancer for many, many yes. years. I had so many pleasers or mm. you know, like big Pleasers is a brand of stripper shoe, basically. They're gorgeous and they're platform giant and they're heel. platform and plastic. You know, they're plastic. So yeah. obviously not particularly breathable. No. And I used to teach classes all day. I would train. I would dance. And I would go through these shoes, these plastic... <laughs> rickety. Sh- rickety shoes. <laughs> so often I was always covered in fake tan. Yep. So these shoes were sweaty... Yeah, covered in tan stains, you know, foot grime, dance, just gross. Like I said, I had heaps of these shoes. And at one point I had a few pairs that I'd never really worn, but I just wanted to get rid of them. Mm. Popped them on eBay. Mm. It's like, yeah, let's, you know, someone will have them. I kid you not, I think within about the first 24 hours, Mm. I had about, it was close to a hundred. I'm not joking. Close to a hundred messages from people on ebay asking me were they used and i was like no 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 they're like you know pretty much they've never been used i maybe tried them on once and they're sort of like oh okay not interested then and then i would have people be like how used are they how like do they smell like what do they smell like how bad do they smell how grimy are they and i just was so confused i did not understand what was happening and then eventually the penny kind of dropped and i was like Oh, yes. There are different kind of people. These these guys don't just, you know, want to, as new condition pair of strippy heels. They want... Nitty gritty. They want worn in, gross, stinky, Nasty. Yeah. And that was how I learned that there are people with foot fetishes out there. Amen. And they want it all. It's sort of, I mean, I always have a joke that anytime like a friend puts on a pair of my shoes, they've just gone up in value. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You, you never know and you never know as well, like a great way to, you know, reuse and resell your 
shoes is always just to sell them as they are, maybe make them dirtier. I would collect shoes just to sell. Go for a run and then, yeah. and then just pop them on as soon yeah. as you get home. Yeah, be authentic though. Like, I don't like the idea of like you rubbing fake stuff on it. Just yeah. people like your feet as they are. And if they're not that dirty, that's go you. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone really wants like a nice clean pair of unadulted feet. Sure. I love where this has gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. Tips to sell your shoes on the internet. I hope you're all writing this down, you guys. Oh, I mean. We're all going to be rich. Amen, we are. Rich. Thankfully, I mean. I just, sorry, I've just, I literally, as before you said that, I just had my Nana's voice pop into my head and goes, well, Someone's trash is someone else's treasure. Well, that's it. That's it. And it's someone else's really smelly, great treasure that they probably (laughs) stick in a closet or on a pedestal in their room and look up to every night. And you know what? That's what I want for my old shoes. Yeah, they deserve that. They do. They deserve that. They do. They touched my feet once. Yeah. What a win. They deserve to be loved. Amen. I have a bunch of other facts that I can throw at you. Would you? You want some facts? I can give you some science. Well, let me take you to the science of the psychology and anatomy slash physiology. It's almost like feet. Science is like science. Mm, No, it's a bit different. It's it's not the same. (laughs) But basically, there was a really great... I think he was a doctor. I think he's a doctor. Maybe not. I hope he's a doctor. Oh, no. I hope he's qualified. No, he's just an esteemed scientist. Never mind. I'm throwing this out. (laughs) In the bin. (laughs) But what he did was he mapped out the neurological pathways of the brain through studying patients with epilepsy without going into too much detail. Basically, the inside of the brain, we have something called the cortex. And within that, he found the somatosensory cortex. So hear the word in there? Sensory cortex. Mm -hmm. Sensation. 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 Sensual. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, hell yeah. Am I a scientist? Baby, you a doctor. <laughs> this part of the brain, no shock to you, Miss Dr. Velma Vouar, um, held the information for all the sensory information coming into the brain. So, for example, if someone was touching your foot, it would send the information to your brain to let you know what was going on. Interestingly enough, he noted that the mapping for the feet is right next to the mapping for the genitals in the brain. Bow, 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 bow. Right. Why is that so weird? It's not. It's not weird, Velma. It's it makes sense, doesn't it? So they can often interlace depending on the individual. Mm-hmm. So think about it: your feet in your brain are right next to your genitalia in your brain. In your brain. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it might feel really nice when you touch my foot for some reason. I get I the tingles why. elsewhere. <laughs> also, like another piece of information is uh, there's something called the sensory homunculus. I don't know if you've heard of this, but if you look it up on Google. Google the sensory homunculus and it'll give you this really interesting depiction of this, I don't know, gremlin looking thing that contains like a visual representation for the size of the sensory information for the body. So the feet are huge. The lips are huge. The hands are huge. It's going to have a pretty big PP, I reckon, Mm -hmm. you know, like the sensory information is large. So your feet contain so much that they're like a big ratio of this homunculus like there is so much sensory information for your feet because you're supposed to be able to get information from the floor when you walk and it just it kind of makes sense so then when you find out that all of this information is also being stored next to your genitalia there's a reason that it can feel good yeah like science yeah no, science that makes, that makes sorry sense. <laughs> so i don't know what you just said but it was science <laughs> yeah Taking it back to sort of odor fetishism, feet, they're smelly. If if you've got a sensory input for your nose and you get quite a lot of um, pleasure derived from sensations coming through your nose, feet are another great one because they stink mm-hmm. or they can. I mean, my, my feet never stink. I can't imagine they would. Ever. Always of roses. Just roses? And violets. Beautiful. Yep. That's what my face smell like. Don't check though. I'm going to check later, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to fact check it. Oh no. <laughs> All right. More fun facts for you. Ohio State University did a study that stated that foot fetishism has an increase during times of STD epidemic. Okay. So 
both during the gonorrhea and the AIDS epidemic, foot fetishism went up. So think about it, right? Having genital to genital intercourse is a risky behavior to engage in. So what did everyone do? Foots. Foots. Exactly that. Yeah. So a response to epidemics of sexually transmitted diseases. Foot anything. Foot anything, unfortunately. Foot play. Yeah. Mm, it. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's... Footsies, it, just all the footsies under the table. Oh, she's doing it right now. <laughs> but how crazy is that? Like, it just goes up. It's an epidemic. So you know what you need to do? Find something that's not sexual. Although I think, I, I think like, would that increase yeast infections and fungal infections? Sure. I mean, keep your feet clean. Use a condom. Yeah, have a nice little foot spa before yeah. you get freaky. Yeah. That's nice. That's some nice advice for your listeners. Wash your feet before you have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I went somewhere there. Sorry, I'm back. <laughs> um, I might quickly pee. Yeah, go. We are recording. Beautiful. Again. Um... Would you like to hear about some relative frequency? Talk to me. Relative frequency basically means how often something occurs. Right. Um, just to... I knew that. <laughs> so to estimate the relative frequency of fetishes, um, in 2006, researchers at the University of Bologna mm. um, examined 381 internet discussions of fetish groups in which 5,000 people had been participating. Like, I just imagine them going on Reddit and being, like, deep diving through fetish thing. It would, you would have found some really interesting stuff yeah. in there. The way that these researchers basically broke it down is they wanted to estimate the prevalence of different fetishes based on the following things. So based on the number of discussion groups devoted to a particular fetish, the number of individuals participating in the groups, and the number of messages exchanged. So it was concluded that the most common fetishes were for body parts or objects that were usually associated with body parts. Among these preferring body parts, feet and toes were preferred by the greatest number with 47% of those sampled preferred them. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that this can probably be replicated again. Sure. But in this particular group that was not dedicated to feet, Mm -hmm. half of them wanted feet. Yeah. So within those people who liked feet, they loved shoes. Most of them were in groups related to footwear as well. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I get it. I get it too. I, I get, get it. it so much. <laughs> I get it. This is reminding me. I, so a dear friend of mine is a stripper and she had spoken to me about a couple of regular clients that she has mm. at work who they just want to pay her for her time and rub her feet. So they don't they oh. don't want her to dance for them. They want her to just take sit them. down, take her shoes off and they rub her feet. And I remember when she told me that, I was just like, what? You know, I just, again, feet not on my radar. Mm. And she said, well, you know, you either, people either love feet mm. or they hate feet. Mood. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that because I don't think I love feet, but I don't hate feet. And she's like, then you love feet. I was like, no, I don't think I do. And she's like, no, trust me, you love them. Yeah. You either love them or you hate them. And if you don't hate them, you love them. You just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. And that kind of stuck with me, I guess, a little bit. And then um, I sort of, I realized, you know, talking openly about fetishes here, I would say if I have one, it is for really fucking high heels oh i love vintage footwear i love fetish footwear i love i'm very specific about what i like Mm. but you know a demonically high like a high arch a beautiful arch in a pair of stilettos there's a reason you like that too i can look (laughs) at that forever forever for hours it's something that I love and and yet I don't consider myself to be like a foot fetish gal, but here we are. Well, to talk more about that point, the way that a stiletto arches your foot specifically is the arch that is created in your foot when a female has an orgasm. No. So the reason that you like a stiletto 
is because of the connotations that it has in your brain. Because when you're having your best possible time, your feet create this really delicate protruding arch and your toes peel back. So it all sort of comes back. You know, the reason we like these things are the connotations and the reasons that they've made them like this is it encapsulates you in this orgasmic position for such a long period of time. And it is also another form of bondage. It's, yeah, it's restraint and it's... Gimme, gimme more. It's beautiful. Hey, I'm Velma. <laughs> I have a foot fetish, apparently. <laughs> Just didn't really know it. Yeah, um, on your line about finding out how you had a foot fetish and that you didn't necessarily love or hate feet, therefore you loved them. I can tell you how I found out that I have one. Yeah, please. Um, I think it's good to end on a little bit of a story time anyway. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and like your wine, everyone. Yes, and I'm going to say, like, you'll find out how many people made it to the end of the episode based on, like, how many people messaged me being like, you big old dummy, like, what the <laughs> hell? Um... But I found out I had a foot fetish about three years ago. So I'm pretty new to this as well. I'm not claiming to be an expert in any means. I'm just a lover of the fine art. So I was in the backyard of my old apartment walking around on my tippy toes when I turned around to my partner and said, isn't it weird that monkeys use their toes for everything? And he looked at me with such, it just like you looked at me just then. Um, he looked at me with such Very a blank confused. face and just asked, what? What? <laughs> like what? That's also the most quintessential Ivana sentence yeah. we yeah. you. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, but it's fine. And I like explained what I meant and was like, monkeys used to use their feet and toes to climb things, grab things. And it's basically like a second set of arms for them. And it's crazy that we don't use them for anything. And he responded to me with telling me all the things he used his feet for, which was a much larger list of what I use my feet for. I didn't even use my toes for balance when walking. So the best way I could explain what I did was sort of plump my feet on the floor as I walked, like clunk, clunk, Who taught you to walk? Nobody taught me how to walk. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Nobody taught me how to walk. I just like plumped my feet on the floor and without engaging any of my foot or my toes. So no articulation to your foot. None. And which is not something I recommend. Yeah, Um, your calf muscles must be... I used to have to wear orthotics. I had so many issues with my legs, my feet, my hips, my alignment. The list goes on. It was awful. And I had spent thousands and thousands of dollars at the podiatrist, getting orthotics, compression socks, being recommended different therapies or random exercises that never worked to find out I had been walking wrong my whole life. So I knew I needed to change. (laughs) I started looking up different yoga techniques with like a focus on feet, stretching my toes and remembering to use my toes when I walked. So like stretching my toes, I think if anyone... It's so amazing. If anyone follows me on Instagram or like has seen the ridiculous things I do to people, um, putting your fingers between someone's toes and like really giving them a good stretch and everything, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's orgasmic. It's so good. It's so good. And if you don't have a foot fetish, like I guarantee you, I'll give you one. (laughs) I went to a yoga class once where one of our warm up exercises was to sit sort of cross legged on the floor and take your feet Mm. in front of you, sort of like the soles of your feet together. Yep. And then interlace each of your toes. Love in it. between each other and then kind of stretch them out and then do it the other way around. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. I think it's just it, a note of like how disconnected we can be from our bodies mm. at times. You know, I neglected a part of my body for around 20 years and wondered why I felt so crippled and couldn't walk long distances. But today I no longer wear orthotics. I don't need any support in my shoes. My feet are healthier than ever. And I enjoy getting a pedicure and when I can, shoving my feet in the face of a pretty girl when possible. Yes. It's the simple thing. So therapeutic. It's so therapeutic. Yeah, it's body connection, body awareness body appreciation amen and it's like it's just a regular part of your body there's no reason to be ashamed of it you know giving yourself a foot massage or forcing someone to give you a foot massage is just such a pleasurable thing that forcing someone hey just walk down the street be like you 
that's Foot it. massage now. I reckon it could work. I reckon I could do that. But it's like, it's it's just a testament to being connected with your body. You don't have to love feet, but you should love your feet. Yeah, and I think I appreciate that that's what you're saying because again I think a lot of people who aren't aware of a foot fetish when I think of a foot fetish I go straight to yeah someone who has just like this obsession with like gross feet do you yeah. know what I mean yeah I think that's just the sort of you stereotype. think of a basement dweller or you think of some person deep diving the internet and like, like stealing just... people's shoes or something like that Look, I mean those people exist Absolutely. too <laughs> yeah it's just, so what we're saying is it's a spectrum. Absolutely. And so, you know, the act of just enjoying a foot massage or enjoying wearing stilettos, that they're, they're all under that umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a mild form. I would say that's just a, a moderate form of foot fetishism is just enjoying the love of feet. Mm. And you don't have to love other people's feet. I don't necessarily love everyone's feet. I definitely love my feet and I'm definitely more of a taker than a giver. Yep. So <laughs> if you've got two hands and they're not busy, come on down. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. I'm probably on, on your team there as well. Yeah. Well, it's just life, man. And it's too short not to have a foot rub. Mm, get word. get rubbing today. Get rubbing today. <laughs> we'll put that on a t-shirt for you. That's a great one. <laughs> I think we've just started a new business. Uh, if you would like one of these t-shirts, please message us. Yeah. Because we'll make it happen. Yeah. We're crazy. Yeah, we'll do it. Cool. We will ignore all of our other life responsibilities, duties, and we will just make a t-shirt for you that says get rubbing today yeah that's exactly the kind of thing that we would do and we, we should make it out of rubber <laughs> <laughs> i think it's worth it like now i mean it's going a bit far and it's it's definitely less achievable but i think it would still be really I good i expect nothing less of you <laughs> Do you want to just talk a little bit quickly about maybe some specifics of groups or publications, websites, Mm. places that are a great resource Mm. um, for people in, you know, either specifically to foot fetishism or maybe even just fetish or like kink community that you're a part of in Melbourne if anyone is kind of wanting to sure yeah different places that you can sort of find out more sort of things Google's a great place to start with anything if you want to find more niche places and find places near you getting onto Facebook groups and getting onto communities through social media is another great thing I know a lot of people enjoy FetLife I have not personally been on that website before but that's another great way to sort of fine people there's also magazines like damask magazines one that i have quite a good relationship with i've enjoyed them for many years i've even performed at some of their events and i'm in one of the latest issues at the moment which is super exciting and i never thought that that would be something that would happen to me but it is really dope yeah damask um, is, is gorgeous it's yeah a, it's a gorgeous publication yeah really independent right here in melbourne beautiful yeah um, where they do interviews of different fetishists and different kink communities and they also let people know about events that are coming up and what's on in melbourne and things like that another great way to find out ways of getting in touch with communities is also going to stores adult stores like we've got eagle leather in melbourne and they often are aware of things that are going on within the community so it's just sort of like and it is a community i think that's a really important thing to touch on is that you're not alone no at all (laughs) no like you would be so shocked to find out all of the people that you would possibly know that are in kink or in different subcultures within sexuality yeah yeah good thank job you. thank you so much for joining me oh, thanks for having me you're a dream you're a dream you are Both. dream dreamy dream mad. love you so much i love you too and there you have it that is this week's episode we love Ivana I'm so so honored that she was a part of the show please go and check her out on all her social channels go find her OnlyFans shower her in money and love and adoration because she deserves it if you have any questions Email me as always, we're here at controversypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of today's episode and I hope you have a gorgeous rest of your week. As always, take care of one another, respect one another, 
pay for your porn, don't fake your orgasms, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.